If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 39. We're going to start in verse 22 this morning. Genesis chapter 39, starting in verse 22. Kind of the closing of where we finished last week before we pick up into a new part of the story today. But Genesis 39, starting in verse 22, says this. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. And the Lord was with him, and he caused everything he did to succeed. Now skip into chapter 41, starting in verse 1. It says, two full years later. Turn to your neighbor and say, two full years. Two full years. Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. And in his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and began grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank, and then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. And at this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up, verse 5, but then he fell asleep again. And he had a second dream, and this time he saw seven heads of grain, plump, beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. Verse 7, and these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads, and then Pharaoh woke up again, and he realized that it was a dream. Verse 8. The next morning, Pharaoh, who was very disturbed by the dreams, he called for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. And when Pharaoh had told them his dreams, not one of them could tell them what they meant. Verse 9. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today, I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. And one night the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream it had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant, and everything had happened just as he predicted. I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker, he was executed on a pole. Verse 14, and then Pharaoh sent for Joseph immediately at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and he changed his clothes, he went in and he stood before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here could tell me what it means. But I have heard, but I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means, and he can put you at ease. Turn to your neighbor and say, have you ever been, that's not where I want to be. This isn't where I want to be. Turn to your neighbor and say, have you ever been at a place where you did not want to be there? You know, Joseph, this morning, we picked up in the story, and he was in prison, and I don't think prison was exactly a place where he wanted to be. I don't think prison for Joseph was a place where he desired to be. I don't think it's a place where Joseph deserved to be. I don't think this is where a place where Joseph belonged. So I want you to ask yourself, have I ever been in a place like Joseph where I did not want to be? Have I ever been in a situation where I did not desire to be there? Have I ever been in a situation where I didn't deserve this? Have I ever been in a situation where I don't belong here? I don't belong here. Because it's in that very situation that speaks of your character. Your character, it's not, it's not, your character isn't driven from good moments and happy moments in life. Your character speaks when you're in difficult moments of your life. 
The character means mental moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Joseph's character speaks loud because here he was in prison and yet he continued to do the right thing. Do we continue to do the right thing every single day? Do we continue to make right decisions every single day? No matter where we are, no matter what we do, it's when we're going through something tough and difficult that your character speaks loud. Paul said it this way, actually Peter, 2 Peter 1.5. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision, moral excellence, character. With more excellence, knowledge, knowledge, self-control. Self-control, patience, endurance. Patience, endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted, blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. What does your character speak? When you're in your homes, what does your character say? When you're on the job, when you're in your job, what does your character say? When you go to the mall, what does your character say? Our character has a voice. Your character has a voice. Your life has a voice. Galatians 3.27 says this, All who have been united with Christ in his baptism should put on the character of Christ, like putting on new clothes. Galatians 3.27, All who have been united with Christ, all who have given their life to Christ, all who have given over their life to Christ, Paul says in Galatians, put on the character of Christ, like putting on new clothes. Your character speaks loud and clear. 1 Corinthians 15, says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, because bad company corrupts good character. For Joseph, he didn't have anyone in his life who corrupted him, nor would he allow anyone in his life to corrupt him. And life is about learning to grow. Life is about letting our character being tested, about learning how to endure through all situations. Joseph lived in a dark place. And I wonder for a minute, how many of us have ever thought, you know, if I was in prison, if I ever had to go to prison, if I ever was put in prison for something, what would I do? You know, in prison, you can work out. In prison, you can get three meals a day. In prison, there's a lot of great relationships that are built in prison, some that are a little weird and awkward. But in prison, all kinds of things happen, right? And Joseph, as he was in prison, I wonder the questions, some of the things that he was thinking to himself. How many of us know Jesus said, there's two fathers, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, there's two fathers. Obviously, our Father in heaven. But he also referred to another father. And he said, there's a father, the father of lies, the devil. He said, you're acting like your father, who is the father of lies. And I wonder this morning, is Joseph sitting in prison before he moves on to the next stage of his life, how many lies was Joseph hearing in prison? I wonder if Joseph heard it while he was in prison, man, you should have just screwed up, then you went and been in prison. 
I wonder if Joseph in prison, he was hearing the father of lies. And I wonder if he was hearing lies like you're never going to do what God put you here to do. You're never going to complete the dream. You're never going to become who God wants you to become. You're never going to get out of jail. You're never going to get out of prison. You're always going to be a loser. People are always going to backstab you. I wonder what lies he was being told when he was sitting there serving in the prison. You will never amount to anything. This is the end of your life. This is the end of the road. You have done it to yourself. Your attitude, your arrogance is what put you here. Maybe being too godly put you here. And I wondered this morning, as the devil lied to him in prison, in the dark places sometimes that we travel through in life, what lies has the devil lied to you about? What things has he put into your heart, mind, and soul? What are the things that the devil, just as he lied to Joseph, what has he lied to you about? It's interesting in this story, it says that the Pharaoh had two dreams. How many of us know if, I don't know if you've ever uh, been a part of the Jeep family, but when you're a part of the Jeep family, there's something they call the Jeep wave, right? And so if you're in a Jeep and you're driving around, a lot of people, some of them will do a full hand and some of them go like this, but most of the time they just go like this, right? So a lot of people will raise up two fingers, they give you a Jeep wave. In this story, Joseph understood that Jeep wave because in this story and in his life, he had how many dreams? He had two dreams. When Joseph got to prison, how many dreams did he interpret? Two dreams. And in this story, Pharaoh had how many dreams? He had two dreams. What happened to Joseph two times, not just once, twice, once thrown in a pit, once thrown in prison? Something about the number two. We know the number two is special because how many of us know in the beginning, God created what? A male and a female. He created two. When God judged the earth and God sent a flood, what did he do with the ark? He said male and female, two of every kind come into the boat. When God was judging the Israelites and he was giving them the Ten Commandments, how many tablets did he create? He created two. The symbol of teamwork, the symbol of unity, the this, this symbol of people working together. And this symbol that what it means is something serious. And so in the story, Pharaoh has two dreams. And when they had two dreams back then, to them it meant something. That this is really super, super important. Now, pharaohs in this day were considered like gods. And so for Pharaoh, when he has a dream, many pharaohs in this day, when they would have a dream... They should be able to, because they were like God, to interpret their own dream. Pharaoh, and how many of us have read in, in history books that these guys, they were definitely elevated, they were worshipped, they were men of power. But for this Pharaoh in the story, he could not interpret his own dream. For this Pharaoh in the story, he employed magicians, magicians, men who studied the sacred art men who studied science, men who studied the reading of the stars, men who studied dreams. They had manuals on dreams and what dreams meant. These magicians who predicted and tried to predict the future, these magicians who tried to do magic and for Pharaoh and for all the men, men who lived in constant study. And so for Pharaoh in this story, when he could not interpret his own dream, when Pharaoh in this story, he turned to his magicians and they couldn't interpret their own dream. You know what finally happens? Somebody is remembered. How many of us have ever had that moment of being remembered? 
How many of us have ever done something nice for someone and maybe months go by, but then someone sends you a thank you note? How many of us have ever done something nice for someone and we don't ever do nice things ever so that people remember us and talk about us, right? Because life isn't about us, right? How many of us know today, it's so funny that, you know, you have all these people who are so, so, so caught up in their names, caught up in what they're doing. How many people are using YouTube and TikTok to become what? Famous, right? So many people are creating content. So many people, and here's the thing. Here's the thing in the, in the story that we see about Joseph. If it has to have your name on it, if it has to have your name on it, who do you glorify? And in this story, Joseph, we see he does something super awesome and super crazy because as he goes to the Pharaoh and as he has these good feelings of being remembered, as, as Pharaoh is looking and he is so serious and he is so freaked out because he has no idea what the dreams mean, he turns to this cupbearer who says, Pharaoh, forgive me because I remember somebody. I remember there's a man, there's a Hebrew, there's a slave. And think about this for a, for a moment. There is no rich person in the palace who could help the Pharaoh. There's no doctor in the story who could help Pharaoh. There is no magician. There is no astrologer. There is nothing in his entire kingdom. There's not one person who could help Pharaoh. So who does Pharaoh have to turn to? He has to turn to a Hebrew slave. He has to turn to somebody who's in prison. And to think about where help comes from, sometimes where help comes from in our greatest need, where help comes from, sometimes help comes from places we can't even think about, can't even imagine. And in this story, for Pharaoh, the most powerful guy at the time, where did help come from? It came from a Hebrew slave who was in prison. And as the Pharaoh turns to this Hebrew slave, he says, I hear that you can interpret dreams. What does Joseph say to him? He says, Pharaoh, it's beyond my power to do so because it has nothing to do with me. It is beyond my power. When he interpreted the two dreams in prison, Genesis 48, he says, he says, listen, interpreting dreams, it's God's business. It's not my business. It's God's business. But tell me your dreams. And to the Pharaoh, he said this, it's beyond my power to do this. Here is a young 30-year-old Hebrew slave somebody at the very bottom of his life is the only person in the kingdom who can help this king out. A Hebrew slave, a man in everyone's eyes, nothing. He is nothing. He is dirt. He is worthless. I'll never forget in my life one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. There was a group of people who they used to follow a band around the world. And, and as I traveled and went to a couple of their shows, these people obviously at, at shows weren't doing good things. They weren't doing good things to their bodies. But there was one, one good thing that they did. They absolutely would give the clothes off their back. They absolutely would give every single penny that they had. Anytime that they saw someone in need, these were the most kindest, warmest, giving people that I've ever met in my entire life. And it changed my life when I was 17, 18, and I went to a couple of these shows to see that, because again, I grew up in the church. In the church, we should be the kindest, most compassionate, wonderful people in the world, but many times we fail at that. We are people who profess Jesus, who died on a cross and gave everything for us. 
and all he asks in return to do the same. So the church of Jesus Christ, this powerful thing, the body, the bride of Jesus Christ, who's supposed to be the most loving, kind, Paul says, imitate Jesus, clothe yourself with Jesus everywhere you go and everything that you do. But yet, how many of us find excuses why we can't love like Jesus? And how many of us find excuses why we can't have that attitude that Jesus had? And even the attitude that Joseph has in this story. And so at 17, 18, again, for a young heart who grew up in the church, I go to a couple of these shows, and I, I meet some of the nicest people in the whole entire world who they would give anything, absolutely anything that they had on them. If you need help, I got you. I got you. What is God asking you to do today? What is God asking you to give? Have you ever thought about light speed that travels 186,000 miles per second? Have you ever thought about anything that could travel so fast? Can you imagine when God spoke and it said the light came out, then light was created? Light speed, traveling at light speed. If you ever watched Star Wars before, you would know that they travel at light speed, right? 186,000 miles per second, the fastest known thing that travels absolute fastest, light speed. Joseph spent 13 long years, Joseph spent 13 long days, Joseph spent 13 long nights waiting, wondering, when is my moment going to come? At 17, he had a dream. At 17, he had a dream. And the minute that he spoke this dream into existence, he was persecuted for 13 years. For Joseph, as soon as he spoke out something that was good, something that meant something to him, something that spoke about his future, for 13 years, turn to your neighbor and say, 13 years. He took, it took 13 years to see a dream fulfilled. And so at 30 years old, I wonder what the night before, if he had any butterflies. I wonder for Joseph if he knew that the next moment everything was about to change for him. I wonder if the night before, if he had anything inside going on inside of him, knowing that after 13 long years, everything was about to change. You know, for Joseph, he found himself being the brightest light in the darkest place. The, the brightest light in the darkest place. Has God ever put you in a dark place to be a light? Has God ever put you in a dark place, in a dark time, to be a light? Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. We know that light in this means revelation. God gave his son Jesus, who is the revelation of God to this earth. And then God said, you go and be the revelation to somebody else of who he is. God is asking, God has put us here to be the light of the world, the revelation of who God is. And so for, for Joseph in this story, he was a light in a very dark place. And after 13 long years, he finally, finally, finally gets his promotion. How many of us have ever worked for a place and had a promotion? How many of us have ever worked somewhere and you, you get to move up, you know, 50 cents an hour? You get to move up a dollar an hour. How good does it feel when you've worked somewhere and you've worked your butt off and you were kind and you were wonderful and you finally got a raise? Isn't it wonderful to get a raise? Doesn't it feel good that when you work hard, you put time in, you get promoted? But think about the promotion that Joseph has in this story. He goes from being a slave to being the second command of an entire country. 
going from a slave, second command of the entire country, running the show every single day. You see, in our mind, our effort can only get us so far. But when you place your life into God's hand, the promotion that he can give you, it far outweighs anything that we can do on our own. James 4.10 says this, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Joseph was a man who was a humble man, and maybe it was his circumstances, and maybe it was all that he went through. Joseph was a humble man who, yes, he went through very difficult times, but when he had the spotlight on him, every single time, what did he say? This isn't about me. This is about him. It's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's not about where I've been. It's not about who I am. This is about God, and God is about this moment. Every single time, Joseph humbled himself, and because he humbled himself, God elevated him to the place of honor. The other thing that Joseph did in this story is we know that there are things that he has and it was asked of him when he was a slave, when he was taking care of the captain of the guard's house. There were things, small little tasks that were being asked of him. There were small little jobs that he had to do every single day, Potiphar's house. There were things when he got to prison, small little tasks that were being asked of him every single moment, every single day of his life. This is a man who came from being rich and wealthy and powerful but yet he was stuck doing small little jobs every single day. And sometimes Joseph's story it speaks loud and clear to many Christians and many believers all around the world because this is where they feel that they are. I'm stuck just doing something small. Does my job even matter? Do what I do for God, does it even matter? The small that I give, does it even matter? The small things that I do every single day, yes, I read a tiny bit of the Bible. Yes, I pray a little bit. Does it even matter? For Joseph in this story, the small things that he did every single day, it translated to something. It translated for him to be faithful. It translated for him to have a good attitude. It translated for him to be obedient to what God asked him to do. Being faithful in small little things will always set you up for something bigger. Being faithful in small little tasks will always set you up for something bigger in God's kingdom. And for Joseph, he realizes that when I least expect something big is when God finally answered my prayers. When I least expected it. After 13 years of waiting, overnight, Overnight, and in one moment, when all hope, when everything seems so dark and lost and so distant, and my brothers and my dad, who I love, and all of my family, they're becoming a faded memory in my mind. When everything is so least expected in my mind, it's when the greatest opportunity of his life came. When God sometimes will speak to us and do things, the greatest opportunity is it's not when we expect. And it's not on our terms, and it's not in our time, but a lot of times it's when we least expect it. The greatest opportunities that God provides, the greatest opportunities, the things, the doors that we've been praying for, when they finally open, it's not when we expect, it's not when we want. For Joseph, it took 13 years. For King David, it took 17 years. On and on throughout the Bible, men and women who had to wait for the greatest, of, the greatest opportunity ever. But after waiting, it does happen in the blink of an eye. After waiting and praying, you know, there's so many things in life. How many of us have ever feel that, that life sometimes it sets us back somewhere? 
How many of us have ever felt like I've lived this day and moment over again? How many of us have feel like, ah, oh, I feel like I'm going backwards in this situation? How many of us have ever said to myself and said to ourselves, I'm going, it just feels like in this area, in this area, in that area over there, it feels backwards to me. It feels like something isn't right. And so any setback, any feeling of feeling backwards for you this morning, God wants you to know setbacks and going backwards are the prime moment for you to be set up. And what is the next thing that God wants to set up in your life? What is the very next thing that you have been wondering, that you have been praying about? What is the very next thing that has been trying to pull you backwards? situations, moments, and feelings, what are the very thing that God's trying to say in this moment? I'm trying to set you up in this moment. This morning as we begin to start to, to pull things together, you know, many times we spend hours praying, waiting, asking for change. When God is saying, stop asking for change, just be the change. Many people spend hours waiting, praying, begging for other things, other people to change. When God the whole time is sitting there saying, stop asking for change, be the change. Many spend days and years making excuses. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I'm not qualified to do this. You know, insecurity in our world today is one of the biggest, craziest things that people go through. And, you know, many times people aren't insecure all the time about themselves, but they're insecure about their abilities. Insecure about their abilities. You know, public speaking, how many of us know that for public speaking, that is one of the biggest insecurities that people face in our world today? One of the number one things that people are afraid of is to get and to speak on a stage or to speak in a classroom to get in front of people and to start speaking publicly. It is one of the largest, most ginormous fears that people in the world, it's not just here in Hemet, it's not just here in this town, but one of the largest fears that people deal with is the insecurity of, I maybe God's asking me to speak publicly. Every one of us can feel insecure about ourselves and about our abilities at times. For Joseph, I had to think for a moment for Joseph in this story, you know, being insecure means not very confident, to be uncertain and anxious. Was he insecure in that moment he stood before Pharaoh? He spent 13 years as being a slave. He spent 13 years being dirty, being treated like he was worthless. 13 years of being told what to do, where to go. And as he stood before Pharaoh, I had to wonder, for one moment of his life, did he feel insecure? As the Pharaoh brought him there, this is the one man who's going to have my answer. This is the one man who's going to help me figure everything out. And for Joseph in this story, as we in front of probably hundreds of people, hundreds of people who were there and they were dressed in the very best, the most expensive outfits. This is the best of the best of the kingdom. And yet here's this lowly Hebrew slave as he gets brought before Pharaoh. Did he face a moment of insecurity? And sometimes it's not insecure about who I am, but it's insecure about the ability of what's being asked of me today. And I wonder this morning how many of us face insecurity not in who we are, but in what God's asking us to do. And I think for a moment, Joseph had this insecurity because he had to speak in front of the most powerful man on the planet at the time. And, I, and it makes me think, and it makes me wonder, what is God asking you to do? And have you ever been insecure in that moment, in the ability of what he's asking you to do, to trust in his plan, to trust in him, to step out? 
to trust in God, to get out of our comfort zone. Joseph's life, it speaks to us this, this morning. It's an example for us. And there's a few things I think that Joseph was and everything that he had inside of him. He was humble. He was trustworthy. He was faithful. He had a good attitude. He respected authority. Even when he was sold as a slave, he was respectful. And how many of us know it's hard to go from the top being rich, powerful, to the very bottom. But in the moment he found himself, he was respectful of every authority figure that he had. And God, and as we move into the next part of Joseph's life, we see that leadership matters. Turn to your neighbor and say, leadership matters. Leadership matters. And the question is, because every one of us is a leader this morning, every leader in here, every one of us is a leader, is how do you lead? How do we lead? There's no perfect way, there is no perfect leader, right? But the question is, how do I lead in the situations that God places me in? How do I be the person that God's called me to be every single moment, every single day? Let's pray. God, we come to you. We thank you for this Sunday morning. God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy. God, we thank you for your undying love and attention, God, that you have for us. God, we thank you that you are so strong and mighty and powerful, God, on our behalf. God, that you test us, that you stretch us. God, that you take us through crazy situations like Joseph. God, to see our character, to test our character, to test the endurance. God, you lead us through dark valleys. You lead us through peaceful streams and by peaceful streams. God, you lead us through good great and even ugly at times. And God, this morning I pray, wherever we find ourselves this morning, God, if, if like Joseph, there's, if there's moments of being insecure in our abilities and the insecurity about stepping out, God, replace that insecurity with boldness. God, if any of us feel insecure about the abilities that you've given to us, replace those things with, with boldness. God, we know that being a leader everywhere we go and everything that we do, that we have to have the light on, that we have to be like a, like a city on the, on the hill, right on the mountain. God, that we have to be seen. And it's not for ourselves, but it's to reflect the revelation of your son, Jesus Christ. So I pray, God, that this week, everywhere we go, everything that we do, God, may we reveal, may we reflect. God, may we be the light. God, may we endure through every single thing that happens this week. God, humbly with our eyes on you. God, with our heart directed toward you. God, help us to do things this week that we haven't done last week, that we, that we forgot to do last week. God, I pray that you'd help our minds to be clear this week. God, that we'd have just clear direction of doing something great for one person. God, for somebody who's sick, that we would pray and that we could see, God, that you could heal them, and not in our abilities, God, but to pray for people who are sick and to see them being healed. God, for people who are hurting and lost and lonely, God, that you'd help us to step out and to do something, to meet the needs. God, help us to not be like the story I started with, with the pastors in the church who sat around wondering, what should I do? God, this week, help us to do something, God, that makes a difference for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.